Abirachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you, Father. I thank you for allowing us to gather the, together this uh, Shabbat, on Shabbat Shuva as a community, as Mishpachah's family to worship before you. I ask that as we open up your word today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it be your voice heard, your words received, and nothing be involved except that which you ordained specifically for this purpose. Father, have your will and your way in our lives today. Open up our hearts to receive from you and to hear your voice. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua Messiah, we pray and everyone says, Amen and Amen. Uh, so this week we're in Parsha Ba'elech. Parsha Ba'elech is uh, uh, one of the final two parshot of Devarim of Deuteronomy that is read in the synagogue service itself. Uh, there are actually three parshot remaining, but Parsha Bezod HaBrachah is read on Semchat Zorah, not in the Shabbat service structure. Uh, Parsha Ba'elech uh, this year is a separate Parsha. It often is part of a double Parsha. Uh, this year is a separate Parsha and it falls on what we call Shabbat Shuvah. Shabbat Shuvah means the Shabbat of return. Uh, and so one of the major traditions of Shabbat Shuvah is that we read Hosea 14, beginning in verse 2, in the traditional Hebrew translations, in the traditional English translation, it's verse 1. Um, I'm sorry, vice versa. No, yeah, I was right. Uh, Hosea 14, 2 in Hebrew translations, uh, traditionally the Jewish translations of verse 1 and traditional English translations. Uh, but, uh, which begins with the word Shuvah Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Uh, and so it's a really powerful image as we are in the midst of the 10 days of awe and this time of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, where uh, as a, the Jewish world as a whole is focused on Teshuvah and repentance uh, and return to the Lord, we, we uh, focus on that idea of Shuvah, of return and repentance. Um, what's even more interesting, I think, or at least humorous about it is, uh, I also jokingly say that Shabbat Shuvah has more to do with the fact that it's the Shabbat between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the two heavily, most heavily attended synagogue services in the entire year. Uh, in Christendom, Christmas and Easter, you, know, you get your two of your Christians, they go to services for Christmas and Easter, and that's it. In Judaism, often that's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, your two of your Jews. So you go to services for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but you, know, you show up for Rosh Hashanah and you show up 10 days later for, for Yom Kippur and it feels a little odd when people are looking at you weird because you weren't there on the Shabbat between. So this is happens to be the most heavily attended Shabbat in Judaism throughout the year as well. Uh, and so I jokingly say Shabbat Shuvah because it's the one week a year where everybody's there um, and uh, they finally decided to return for one service. Um, if you have your scriptures, go and open up to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Uh, this is... This is a passage that has always been a major part of my life. Uh, Parsha Ba'elath is actually my uh, bar mitzvah parsha. So uh, for my bar mitzvah, uh, we read Deuteronomy 31, I read Hosea 14, etc. This was a big part of my life, and I'm a fervent believer. Um, and this is just a, a side note, a, a caveat, it has nothing to do with the actual message. Uh, but I'm a fervent believer that our, our bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah parshot speak directly into the calling of our life that the Lord has created us for and has called us to do. And as I've walked through my life, and particularly in uh, ministry as a, a Messianic rabbi, I have seen over and over again the way that these words of Parsha Ba'elech feed directly into what the Lord has called me to be as a Messianic Jewish rabbi. Uh, so if you have your scriptures, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning with verse 1. 
says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. He said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. Adonai has said to me, You are not to cross over this Jordan. Adonai, your God, he will cross over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you and will dispossess them. Joshua will carry over before you, just as Adonai has promised. Uh, Adonai will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. Adonai will give them uh, over to you, and you are to do to them according to all the mitzvot that I have commanded you. Chazak, be courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble before them, for Adonai, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. So at this point, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel, and he says these words, Chazak, be strong and be courageous. And do not tremble before the enemy. Know that the Lord is going before you, and he will not fail you or abandon you. And then in verse 7, he's now speaking before Israel, but specifically to Joshua. And so in verse 7, he says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong, be courageous, for you are to go with this people into the land Adonai has sworn to your fathers to give them. And you are able to enable them to inherit it. Adonai, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Do not, be, do not fear or be discouraged. So he's speaking first to the nation, says do not fear. Uh, then he speaks to Joshua and says do not fear. Be courageous and know that God is going before you, that God has paved the way and made everything he said uh, become reality before you. You just have to walk in it. Now keep in mind these words are being spoken to Joshua, who was one of the only two of the 12 spies to go into the, the land of Israel in the first place in the book of Numbers, uh, who came back with a positive report. Joshua came with the only two that came back with a positive report, while all the other spies said the land is exactly as God said it would be, but we can't take it. Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 no. The land is exactly as God said it would be. Let's go now and take it. And so here the Lord is reiterating to Joshua, uh, fervent, as strong, as, as courageous as you were then, be even more so now. Be even more courageous now as you're leading Israel into the promises that you saw for yourself. Now what's interesting is in this Parsha, there are three times, three times that the Lord speaking through Moses encourages Israel and Joshua to be strong and courageous and know that God goes before you. In the book of Joshua chapter 1, there are three times that the Lord says, to, through Joshua, to Israel, and to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, and know that I go before you. Just like in uh, Deuteronomy 31, there's one time that it's said before the whole nation, and two times it's said to Joshua before the whole nation. And it's really interesting that we see this reiteration. And by the way, this is only a few weeks apart between Moses speaking to Joshua, and then on the other side, Joshua speaking it to uh, the nation of Israel. But the call here is to be strong, to be courageous. But what's really interesting, as, the, as Moses is telling Israel, you're getting ready to go into the promised land. Everything you've longed for for the last 40 years is now before you. All you do is go take it. Is Then he goes into prophecy mode. He's saying, it's going to happen. God's going to give it to you. Don't be afraid. Just walk into it. Then he goes into prophecy mode and picking, picking up with verse 14. Then Adonai said to Moses, Behold, your time to die is near. Call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meeting, and I will commission him. Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of, uh, of meeting. Adonai appeared in the tent, and a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood over the opening of the tent. Adonai said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your aunts, with your fathers. Then this will rise up and this people will rise up and prostitute themselves with the foreign gods of the land they are entering. 
They will abandon me and break my covenant that I will cut that I cut with them. Then my anger will flare against them on that day, and I will abandon them and hide my face from them. So they will be uh, de devoured, and many evils will trouble with them. Trouble, many evils and troubles will come on them. They will say on that day, "Isn't it because our God is not among us that these evils have come on us?" I will surely hide my face on that day because of all the evil they have done, for they have turned to other gods. So the Lord tells Israel, be strong and be courageous and know that I go before you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then speaking to Moses and Joshua, he tells them, listen, Israel is going to go into the promised land. They're going to gain their inheritance and then they're going to turn their back on me and they're going to prostitute themselves to the gods of the land uh, in which they're entering. The very ones that I am telling you in advance, do not worship. Get rid of everyone in the promised land. Get rid of everyone in the land of Canaan so that they do not lead you astray. And so here he's telling them, just like we read with the blessings and curses, when the time comes that both the blessings and the curses have befallen you. And here he says, the time will come where they will turn their back on me and prostitute themselves uh, before the gods of the land that they are entering. And it's really interesting that we see this the same time that the Lord is encouraging Israel to take the promises of God. He's telling Moses that the time will come. They're going to jack it all up again. Verse 19, now write this song for yourselves and teach it to B'nai Israel. Put it in their mouths so that this song may be a witness for me against B'nai Israel, against the children of Israel. For when I bring them to the land flowing with milk and honey, uh, that I swore to their fathers, and they eat and are satisfied and grow fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will spurn me and break my covenant. Now when many evils and troubles have come on them, this song will confront them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten from the mouth of their descendants. For I know the intentions they are devising this day, even before I bring them into the land that I swore them. That day, Moses wrote this song and taught it to B'nai Israel. Then he commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, and said, Chazak, be courageous, for you will bring B'nai Israel into the land I swore to them, and I will be with you. So we recognize in, uh, in Parsha Ba'elech, while there's this, this overpowering message of being faithful to the Lord, of being strong and courageous to trust the Lord to bring about what he said he would do for our forefathers, for the, the sons of Israel, for the children of Israel, the reality is, is the Lord is also saying, but you need to be alert. You need to be cautious because there may come a day, there will come a day when you are going to turn your back on me. And then you're going to offer your lives to the idols, to the gods around you, and you will deal with all of the stuff I said is going to happen if you walk away from me. All of the curses that go along with that. It's really interesting that we read this Parsha, uh, Parsha by left in uh, Deuteronomy at the same time we read Hosea 14. Because Hosea, it's very interesting. Anybody read Hosea before? Yes. Hosea is pretty messed up. I mean, it's just in general, it's a pretty messed up prophecy. It's a pretty messed up calling that the Lord gave Hosea. Hosea is a prophet of the Lord, and, and God calls him and says, hey, I want you to go marry this prostitute. And Hosea goes, okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he goes and he marries the prostitute. And he takes her and he loves her and he cares for her and he, he, he takes care of her and, uh, and dotes all over and what have you. And, uh, and then she goes off and leaves him and starts prostituting again. You know, I imagine the pain and the anguish. And he's probably thinking, you know, I don't know how you didn't see this happening. Uh, I mean, I did, but I did what you asked. But I saw that. How did you not see this happening? God says, no, no, I saw it. Go get her again. Go bring her back and, and keep her as your wife. Go bring her in again as your wife. I imagine Hosea going, okay. <laughs> A little less fervent this time, but he's like, all right, I guess I'll go do it. He goes and finds her and he brings her back. And 
Uh, and then they, they have a couple of children together, and they give some pretty horrendous names to their children uh, by the leading of the Lord. But then the Lord re redeems their names and makes them better again. And, uh, and they go through this whole thing. And then uh, Hosea is sitting there, and the Lord says, hey, you know all this craziness that you just went through? And Hosea's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Hosea, I know what's going on. He says, he says, I called you to do this for a reason. He says, because this is exactly what my people Israel have done to me. I went and took them from a nation and brought them unto myself to be my chosen people, my inheritance, through whom I would bless the entire world and all the nations of the world would come to know me through the work I'm going to do through them. And I brought them unto myself, even though they worshipped other gods. You understand Abraham was a pagan before God called him out, right? right? His father was a high priest of pagan culture and society and the Lord calls Abraham out. Abraham becomes the first there, the first one to cross over the first Hebrew. He says, I call these people out from among the, 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 the prostitutes to paganism. And I brought them back to myself and I, I made them a people and, and I built them up and I made them a bride for myself. And then they left me and went and prostituted themselves again, just as your wife has done. But then I brought them back to myself again. And I redeemed them and I restored them and I renewed them and, and I, I, I renewed my covenant of marriage with them and my love with them and, and things were going great. And they're going to do it again and again and again. And Hosea, the Lord is speaking through Hosea, through the prophet Hosea to the nation of Israel and says, imagine how painful things have been for my prophet Hosea as he went through this. Now imagine how much worse it feels for me as the groom of Israel. As you have chosen to go off and to serve other gods. And then we come to the culmination of the book in Hosea 14, beginning of verse 2. In Hebrew it says, Shabbat Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, return, O Israel, to Adonai your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity. Take words with you and return to Adonai. Say to him, take away all iniquity and accept what is good so we may repay with offerings of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses and we will never again say our God to the works of our hands. For with you orphans find mercy. I will heal their backsliding. This is the Lord speaking. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for my anger will turn away from him. I will be like dew for Israel. He will blossom like a lily and thrust out of his roots like Lebanon. His tenders will shoot with uh, his tender shoots will spread out. His beauty will be like an olive tree, and his fragrance will be like Lebanon. For those who dwelling, uh, those dwelling in the sh his shadow will return, and they will grow grain and bud like a vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. Lord says, after that entire message of Israel going and processing himself and coming back, and processing himself and coming back, the Lord cries out to the nation of Israel through the prophet Hosea in the culmination of this prophecy and says, just return back to me. That's all I want. I want you to come back faithfully to me. See, in Deuteronomy 31, the Lord speaks through Moses to the nation of Israel as they're preparing to cross the Jordan River finally to take the inheritance God has given them in the promised land. And he says, the day will come as great as everything is now and as awesome as it will be when you cross into the land and take possession of it. The day will come when you will walk away from me, when you will turn your back on me, and when you will serve the gods of the land around you instead of serving me wholeheartedly. The day will come where you will turn your back on me. But all I want you to do is return. I just want you to come back. When all these bad things befall you, when my face is hidden from you, don't think I've ever left you. I've been there the whole time. I've been watching you. And a lot of times we don't realize when we're outside of the will of God and we're doing things that are not glory, glorifying him, 
and honoring him and all these terrible things are happening around us and it feels like the world is collapsing at our feet, that the Lord is still there caring for us and nurturing us and protecting us and making sure that as the world collapses around us, that we don't collapse also. All we see as we look around, as the Lord says, Israel would cry out to, uh, to Adonai and say, hey, isn't all this mess happening because God isn't with us? And God says, no, I've been there the whole time. All of this is happening because you're not with me. But I've been there. I've protected you and I've shielded you. And the reason you still exist today is because I've shielded you and I've guarded you and I've protected you and I've kept a remnant for myself in spite of everything. I've kept a remnant for myself because I love you and I cherish you. And I desire nothing more than what I spoke to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to do, which is through you to bless the entire world. And in spite of everything that my forefathers have done in turning our back on the Lord, which even today, the overwhelming majority of the Jewish world are secular. They could care less about religion. They could care less about faith and Adonai. They could care less about anything that has to do with the word of God. The Lord is still standing there saying, I just want you to return. I just want you to come back and to know my love. I have never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm here the whole time. I just want you to come back and fill my embrace. Oddly enough, in the body of Messiah, the message still rings true. Because there are way too many people who are quote-unquote believers because their parents took them to church. Not because they actually walk with the Lord. Not because they actually care at all about the word of God or relationship with him or worshiping him. And the Lord is saying to the body of Messiah today, in light of all of the atrocities that we as believers have caused on the world around us, which by the way, one of the major reasons why my uh, uh, Jewish world does not accept Yeshua's Messiah is because the very people who were called to be uh, uh, the ones who would drive the Jewish people to jealousy for their God through the blood atonement of Yeshua are the same ones who slaughtered us in the Holocaust and who slaughtered us in the pogroms and who slaughtered us in the Inquisition, who slaughtered us in the Crusades, all under the auspices of a bloody cross saying, this is because you killed Jesus. And the Lord's crying out to the body of Messiah as a whole, the same words he cries out to Israel, come back to me. Open up the word of God and recognize my love for you. <clears throat> Come back to me. Come back to me in faithfulness. We go to Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How then shall they call on the one in whom they have not trusted? And how shall they trust in the one they have not heard of? And how shall they hear without someone proclaiming? And how shall they proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news of good things. But not all heeded good news. For Isaiah says, Adonai, who has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Messiah. And we're going to skip down to uh, chapter 11, verse 1. By the way, chapter 10 begins with Paul crying out, I desire nothing more than the salvation of my Jewish people. <coughs> Chapter 11, verse 1 says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he knew beforehand. Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? I don't know, they have killed your prophets. They've destroyed your altars. I alone am left and they are seeking my life. 
But what is the divine response to him? I've kept myself for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So in the same way, also at this present time, there's come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel is seeking, it is not obtained, but the elect obtained it. And the rest were hardened. And we skip to verse 11. I say then, they did not stumble, speaking of Israel, so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their false steps, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Why? To provoke Israel to jealousy. Now, if their transgressions leads to riches for the world and their lost riches for the Gentiles, then how much more their fullness? But I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. And so far as I am an emissary to the Gentiles, I spotlight my ministry. If somehow I might provoke to jealousy my own flesh and blood and save some of them. For if their rejection leads to reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead. I believe fervently with every ounce of my heart that these words of Romans still rings true today. That the Lord has in fact, in spite of what we see around us, maintained a remnant of people who fervently love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe that the Messianic Jewish movement is a revival of that very remnant. And that the Lord is using the Messianic Jewish movement not only not only to lead our people to the promised Messiah of Israel. You understand how often the Lord says, how often Yeshua says in the Gospels, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. First time he sends his disciples, he says, don't go into any towns of the Gentiles, don't go even to the towns of the Samaritans, but go to the Jewish people, for I have come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? Because God called Israel out to be a light to the nations. It begins with the Jewish people. To be a light to the nations. And in this day, as we prepare for what I believe to be the soon return of Messiah. What the rest of the Jewish world is looking at as the final coming of Messiah. Right. We're awaiting Melech Mashiach to come. King Messiah to come and to usher in ultimately eternal peace. This is what the entire Jewish world is looking for. And has been looking for for 4,000 years. I believe fervently that the Lord has called the Messianic Jewish movement to be a revival of this remnant, the nation of Israel, of the Jewish people who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and hold faithfully to the promised Messiah of Israel so that our people can come back to him, can return as Hosea 14 calls us to be through the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua. I believe faithfully that the Messianic Jewish movement, which is made up of both Jews and Gentiles, is a revival of what God says through Paul is the calling of the Gentiles and the body of Messiah to drive the Jew to jealousy for his God. I believe fervently that the Messianic Jewish movement is a revival of both. That in spite of everything that has happened, all of the atrocities that the body of Messiah has, has caused throughout the history of the last 17, 1800 years in the name of Messiah, 
that Messiah is redeeming his own name through his people who have been a remnant of faith in him. You, you've got to understand, since the days of Messiah walking on earth in human form, born of a woman, there has not been a single moment in which there was not a representation of Jewish believers in the promised Jewish Messiah of Israel living Jewish lives among the Jewish people. It wasn't as vocally prevalent as it is today, but we live in a new day. But there's always been a representation. There are awesome stories of Messianic Jewish leaders leading Jewish people in the Holocaust, in the camps to faith the Messiah before they went to the showers. Every waking moment since the death and resurrection of the Messiah, there has been a representation, a remnant of Jewish believers living Jewish lives in the midst of the Jewish people. And today, in the world that we live in, there is now a representation of the remnant of not only Jewish believers living Jewish lives, but of Jews and non-Jews, a light bought by the blood of the Lamb, Messiah, Yeshua, living together in a harmony as one new man, preaching the word of Yeshua, preaching the Besorah, the good news that salvation has come. And there is finally a way for us to return back to the Lord as he calls us in Hosea 14. Not just rebuilding a temple so that we can return back to a sacrificial, a physical sacrificial system, but that we can return back by the ultimate final atonement sacrifice of Messiah Yeshua. I believe without a, a shred of doubt in my heart that the calling of the Messianic Jewish movement is to be used by God to be the second generation arising forth to take the promises of God to his people through the blood atonement of Messiah, crying out for them to return back to the Lord their God. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God through the blood atonement of Messiah. And by such, he will forgive your iniquities. Amen. By such, he will restore and renew you. By such, the enemy's grits and reins and chains on your life will be broken. By such, we will find healing in his stripes. Amen. And through which he will use us to be a blessing in the light of Messiah to the world around us. This is the single purpose of the body of Messiah. And unfortunately, the enemy's greatest tool the one that we way too often allow him to use against us is division and disunity. I do not believe whatsoever that God's intention was for there ever to be a Messianic Jewish movement and a Gentile church. I just don't think that was God's will. We don't have a God of disunity and division. I believe fervently that God called us to be one new man together in unity each with our individual uh, uh, roles and our individual uh, uh, callings, but, but one new man together. Does this mean, I think, that God doesn't want to use the Messianic Jewish movement or that God doesn't want to use the church? Not at all. Does this mean that I have some weird campfire notion that everything's going to be hunky-dory and we're all going to get along finally right here and right now and we're all just going to become one big? Not in the least. We're still human. But I do believe that it's time that we stop battling over things that ultimately don't matter. We come together in unity on the thing that does matter, which is seeing this world come to salvation. Look, I believe God's will was for what we now know as the Messianic Jewish movement, which is the closest thing in the 21st century to the first century body of Messiah looked like. But I don't think he's done with the church. I don't. 
I know way too many Messianic rabbis that I grew up under who grew up in traditional Jewish homes and became believers because of the work of the church and are now leading the Messianic Jewish movement in awesome ways. I don't think that God desires for the Messianic Jewish movement to, to dichotomize and separate ourselves from the rest of the body of Messiah either. I believe that he calls us to come together in unity. We may have differences of opinions on theology and doctrine and so on, but ultimately we're all bought by the same blood. Yeah. We're all saved by the same Messiah. Amen. We all have the same calling to see this world come to salvation. What we did back on Shavuot, what we called the body of Messiah in Baldwin County together to celebrate Pentecost and Shavuot together, setting aside everything that we disagree on and coming together. Look, we had people from all sorts of different denominations there. And then in the mix of the Messianic synagogue, really twisted it up. <laughs> but it was an awesome time in worship. It was an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. We had people come up and say, dude, I have never experienced the power of God like I did today. Yeah. One of our people came to me later, I'll let them remain nameless, and said, I just don't get it. Like, how do you go through life like we experienced what we felt today? We feel every week in synagogue. How are you okay not experiencing that all the time? I went, hey, at least I felt it once. But, uh, no, <laughs> but we, I mean, in all honesty, this it was awesome. There was something about coming together in unity. There was something about coming together united as one in Messiah. He named my tov. How beautiful it is when brothers come together in unity. I think it's important that we recognize our call as a Messianic Jewish movement is to see our Jewish people come back to Messiah. Yes. To see our Jewish people come back to the Lord through the blood atonement of Messiah. I think it's important for us to recognize it as a Messianic Jewish movement. It's important for us to also recognize that part of our calling is to see the rest of the body of Messiah wake up to the Jewish roots of their faith. This doesn't mean that I think it's our duty to go to churches and tell them, hey, you're doing it all wrong and you should come to us. Because that's not at all what we're supposed to do. But to go, hey, you know, everything you're doing is rooted <coughs> over here. You should learn more about it so you have a better grasp of what's happening. We're about to start a study on Revelation on Tuesday night. You've got to understand, you can't understand that until you understand that it was written from a Jewish context. So looking at it from a 20th century, 21st century Christian context isn't going to get you anywhere. It's just not. But the Lord has called us to return so that we can lead others to return. And he's provided the only means by which we can return, which is the blood atonement of his only begotten son, Yeshua Mashiach. That the Jewish person can fulfill their ultimate calling that Abraham was called out for, which is to be a light to the nations. And the Gentile believer can fulfill their calling, which is to drive the Jew to jealousy for his God. It's a cyclical process that requires both. And I believe, especially in the Messianic Synagogue, it requires both to come together as one. But even in the context of the greater body of Messiah, it requires us as the Messianic Jewish movement to work together in unity, not causing more division and strife. We're working together in unity to see the body of Messiah realize who exactly their groom is. Because our groom is a Jewish Messiah. Amen. Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you that you have uh, called us so faithfully. 
over and over and over again in our lives in spite of our lack of faithfulness to continually return to you. Lord, I thank you that you do not mince words, but you call us what we are when we are fallen and broken. But that your promise is restoration and renewal. That your promise is healing that can only be found in the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua. Father, I pray that you open our hearts to a deeper understanding of your word and that we will continue to dive into it to learn how to best and most efficiently model the image of Messiah to those that you have called us to reach. Lord, I pray that you give us boldness, chazak, that you give us boldness, courage to share the message of Messiah with those that we come into contact with first by the work of your hand in our lives before we ever speak a word. May they see you in your presence in our lives before they ever hear us begin to espouse your gospel. Father, may they see 